Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hello and welcome. We are continuing our message series on Christmas carols using that acronym CAROL to help us remember the point of this series, Common Attitudes Revealing Our Lord. To remind us of the challenge presented in Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, this is what it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset or attitude as Jesus did. Wow, that's a high bar being set. The good news is that for those in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit empowering you to take steps to live this out. Remember, you are in charge of your attitude. You can change your attitude, and you are called to have the same attitude of Christ. Last week, we talked about kindness. Because your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had, Christ was kind, and he asked that we also show kindness to others. So let's celebrate those moments right now that this, when this week you showed kindness. Way to go. So today our attitude is thankfulness. I could talk about this for days. Here's the deal. There's always, always something for which you can be thankful, period. I've often been reminded that success in life has everything to do with an attitude of gratitude. When a person has a good attitude and a grateful heart, it seems to open doors of opportunity for them. Wouldn't you agree? That would never be opened otherwise. Not many people who are bitter and ungrateful have prospered very much in their life. As Christ followers, let's start with this. We see over and over again, Christ display an attitude of thankfulness. Jesus lived in thankfulness to God. He thanked his heavenly father for providing food for him, for listening to him whenever he prayed. He thanked him for the opportunity to minister to others. He even thanked God for the opportunity to sacrifice his life for the world. Jesus displayed that attitude of thankfulness and he could do that because his mind was set on doing the will of his heavenly father. And we are called to follow suit, to have an attitude of gratitude, to be thankful. Listen to this, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is really an issue of the heart that will allow you to move forward in your walk with Christ and in your witness for Christ. Nothing shows a confidence in Christ more than a grateful heart. In fact, nothing shows more your love for God than being thankful. I'm going to say something that may sound extreme at first. Are are you ready? Okay, here it is. The emotion of gratitude outweighs all other emotions. Being thankful and content are the two indicators, in my opinion, of whether or not you are loving God in that moment. Now, on the opposite end, nothing will ruin your testimony for Christ and or destroy relationships with others quicker than a show of ingratitude. People who display an ungrateful attitude repel people rather than attract them. Isn't that why we're constantly trying to teach our children to be grateful? 
we tell them, say thank you and listen, we have so much to be thankful for, but unfortunately, we all will at times focus on what we don't have or our difficult circumstances and basically contemplating why is life not fair? And when this happens, our, our grateful heart begins to become cold. Let me put it this way. If thankfulness were a boy playing in the schoolyard, then the bullies trying to take the lunch money would be greed, selfishness, coveting, hardship, comparing myself to others, and suffering. All of these, I just call them bullies, want to stop us from giving thanks in all circumstances, which is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, your attitude really does matter. We just got done with the four weeks of discussing the power and importance of having your mind set on Christ. Your attitude determines your altitude. You see, Paul lived by a model when it came to an attitude of thankfulness, and he shared it with us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Those three verses, I'm going to jump back to verse 16. This is what he says. This is his motto. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again, because someone's going through some difficult circumstances right now, and you need to be reminded of this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And isn't that really the bottom line? It's easy to be thankful when you're receiving what you want, what, whatever it is you desire. We see this with kids at Christmas. No kid jumps for joy over getting socks at Christmas. I mean, at least not my kids. They want toys and games, electronics. And we do something similar sometimes with God where we want health and we want more stuff. We want prosperity. We want life to be easy. We want relationships to, to, to be smooth. And suddenly we open up gift from God and it sucks. That's not what I wanted. I didn't want socks. I didn't want suffering. I didn't want hardship. I didn't want loss of fortune. I didn't want relational difficulties. I didn't want struggles. Listen, it may not be what you wanted, but God knew that it's what you needed. It's in these moments, whenever we have what we don't want, that the question arises. Will we have the same attitude as Christ who gave thanks in the midst of facing death? Will we give thanks in all circumstances? Because all of us will be tempted. When life gets hard, when suffering comes, when things don't go the way that you had planned, when you get bad news, we will be tempted to toss thankfulness out, curse God, and become angry. Just for a second, let's reset expectations when it comes to God. Just a few reminders. Does God bless us? Yes. Do his blessings always come in the form that we think they should? Not at all. One Christian songwriter has wonderfully penned the lyrics. And I, I love these because I think they're so, they're graphic. Question is, what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near. What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? That's good. Remember God's blessings come in many forms. So give thanks 
in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me put it this way. Everybody has a cell phone, am I right? Everybody. And everybody has apps on their phone. Those apps work great. But then occasionally, you're notified that the app needs to be updated. What's going on with that? I think you're all familiar with that little symbol, the little cloud thingamajigger with an arrow that's pointing down. It just means that you should stop, connect to the Wi-Fi, click on it, and let it update. The app is still good. It just needs to be updated because things change. Technology advances. They need to fix bugs. And no matter how many times you test a mobile app before launching it, there will always be bugs that are left to figure out. The same is true for our attitude of thanksgiving. You see, being thankful isn't a one-time download and that's it. Because things change, life happens, and the Lord needs to, well, fix bugs that get into our thought processes. When Thanksgiving doesn't seem to be working well, we need to pause to pray, read the scripture, and update our gratitude. I've been through seasons when I thought the world was against me. And then by taking time to, quote unquote, update my Thanksgiving app, I was reminded that my hardship may be happening because God's trying to do a work I cannot see. I don't know everything that he's doing. In fact, I want you to stop for a moment and at least wonder about what is God up to in your life? God is calling you to lean into him, to trust him, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this last reminder is going to sting a little. I don't want it to sting, but it does, even to me. This may sound a little harsh, but I want to remind you, God does not owe you anything. In a society that tells us we are owed everything, let me remind you, God does not owe you anything. God does not owe you a life without pain and suffering. In fact, he warned his followers that they would experience many trials. And God does not owe you a nice house or a truck. He challenged his followers, in fact, to realize that this world was not their home. God does not owe you health. He sent out the disciples knowing that they would get beat up, injured, and eventually many or most of them killed. God does not even owe you eternal life, but out of his grace, he gives you what you do not deserve. And out of his mercy, he does not give you what you do deserve. There's nothing you have done to somehow earn or demand or declare somehow that now God owes me something. We just live in this weird period in society, I feel, like I'm owed everything just because I'm breathing oxygen. Just a reminder, God does not owe you anything. I know that stings a little, doesn't it? So anything God gives you, that breath that you just breathed, that heartbeat that just occurred, that second that just went past, you can declare with sincerity, thank you, God. You have something to eat this week? Thank you, God. The God of all creation came and died for you so you could reign and rule forever as sons and daughters of the Most High? Thank you, God. You see, Paul didn't expect God to owe him anything, and it allowed him to give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, Paul's mindset was, I'm in chains, but thank God that I still have my lips and mouth to sing praises to God. Give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, I'm being threatened with death for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. 
give thanks in all circumstances. When you begin to realize, like Paul, all that Christ has done for you, you can't help but to be thankful. And here's our Christmas carol tie-in for today. Life was moving very fast for Phillips Brooks. He's the author of the poem titled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. At the age of 22, he was a Harvard graduate and he was struggling. He was a struggling teacher at Boston's Latin School. The students, in his opinion, wouldn't devote the effort that Brooks felt was needed to master the course. He got frustrated and Brooks gave up. Now, if you've ever been in a place where you're physically and spiritually tired, then you know what it's like to need a spiritual rebirth, just to have a break. And when you come to the place where you sense where, where this, you, your sense of calling has been renewed, there, there, that's where you're going to find your thankful attitude. How do you move from a place of discouragement, of pain, or confusion to develop an attitude of thankfulness? Well, the first thing that Brooks did was try on his own effort. His cup was empty, so he did what he knew to do. So what have you tried to do? Has life beaten you down? Are you tired of trying? Just the demands of others? Have you suffered a death? Have you been burdened by something? Are you just worn out? You see, when we're grieving or depressed or burned out, it's like looking at the world through foggy glasses. We do what we know to do. So what do you do to find a break, to make it through another day? You just stay busy? Do you over-medicate? Look for a distraction, maybe through sports or hobbies or relationships, or just avoid thinking about it. See, these things don't give nourishment or help us. Brooks found the end of his rope. So how does the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, tie into thankfulness? Bethlehem was not an important city. It was the city of David, but it was small and really it was out of the way. How often have we felt this way? Yet God took notice and it was there that Jesus was born. No one ended up in Bethlehem on accident. If you went there, you did so intentionally, on purpose. God chose this small town, however, on purpose. And God has chosen you on purpose. Once born into the world, he saved the world through his death and gave hope to the world through his eventual resurrection. Now, now that we have been born again, we have so much for which to be thankful. Thankful for who I am in Christ, what I have in health and possessions and family and friends and where I am. But Bethlehem was in God's will. The prophet Micah had prophesied about the little town of Bethlehem. See, God often chooses people the world overlooks. King David was an unimpressive shepherd boy. Mary was an unknown Jewish girl. Peter was a crusty old fisherman. And Moses was a burned-out retiree with no pension. It's worth reflecting on the forgotten people around you. Maybe, I mean, just maybe you feel like one of them. If we assume that God only works through well-known Christian leaders, we will absolutely miss some of the most powerful things God wants to do. We can be thankful today because God knows us and we are in his will. See, one of the things Brooks did when he was burned out, was he just changed his routine. Upon leaving Boston's Latin school, he went to seminary and served in a growing congregation. 
He's described as a powerful preacher, could actually speak 1,300 words a minute. Sometimes you just need to take a break from your normal routine. For Brooks, he went on a trip. He got away. He got a different perspective on things. For us, maybe we take a little mini vacation. Maybe you go out and sleep in the hammock by the pond. This is what I did at my, on my old property. Find a quiet time early in the morning hours or late in the afternoon when everyone, after everyone's gone to bed just to be alone to think. Maybe sit out by the lake or, or, or take a, a, lunch, a little extra time at your lunch hour, but just time to regain perspective. Brooks gained perspective. He began to set aside his worn out attitude for a thankful attitude. Someone actually wrote this about him. The dark days ended, the joy of living returned, and his positive thankful attitude again became apparent in his every step and word. That's how we are when we're refreshed. So this attempt to rediscover and restore his own faith worked by changing his routine. In his case, he took a year-long sabbatical. Now, maybe you can't afford to take a year's sabbatical, but listen, don't sell God's way short. He said once that every week, that at least once every week, we should take a sabbatical day. It's called Sabbath. Husbands, here's an idea. Let's give our wives a break by taking over the reins while she walks or bikes or spends time alone or stares at the wall, whatever she needs to do to replenish her spirit and vice versa. Now let's get back to our Christmas carol. See, although Brooks had visited every major European and Middle Eastern city, nothing inspired him like Bethlehem. At the age of 30, on December 24, 1865, he wrote in his journal, before dark, we rode out of town to the field where they say the shepherds saw the star. It is a fenced piece of ground with a cave in it in which, strangely enough, they put the shepherds. Somewhere in those fields we rode through, the shepherds must have been. He also added this experience to the, law, to the log of his trip. He just said, I was standing in the old church in Bethlehem, close to the spot where Jesus was born, when the whole church was ringing hour after hour with the splendid hymns of praise to God. How again and again it seemed as if I could hear voices I know well telling each other of the Savior's birth. Listen, it's important to remember your calling. Phillips focused back on Christ through prayer and meditation. We can return to the simplicity of Christ's place where Christ, when, when, whenever Christ was born in you, the moment of your salvation. See, sometimes we have to get away from the busyness and demands of others and of regular life. When life seems full and confusing, when it seemed full and confusing, at least for Brooks, Brooks was brought back to Christ and the true meaning of Christ, which is salvation. When you see the manger, you see hope. And where there is hope, there is thankfulness. Where would I be without Christ? What has Christ saved me from? This life is not all there is because we are saved. Saved from a life of guilt and meaningless, he makes us newborns all over again. What city were you, born, were you in whenever Christ was born in you? You know, my wife Beth remembers that, she was, that it was a warm summer evening in Kansas City, Kansas, when she gave her life to Christ. On my part, I publicly declared my faith and was baptized into Christ on a Sunday evening in Winslow, Arizona. Where, where, where were you? Brooks was reminded of the wonder of the fact that Christ had come into the world to save sinners. He wrote this. 
It is while you are patiently toiling at the little tasks of life that the meaning and shape of the great whole of life dawns on you. So have you forgotten Christ? I don't mean have you left him, but maybe you just simply moved him out of the center of your life. Put him back at the center. That's where you find thankfulness. Remember the confession of faith in Christ that you made at the beginning of your walk of faith. Is there anything that that you need to repent of? Just do that today. Have you been baptized into Christ? If not, why not take that step of obedience today? No better time than now. God wants you to be saved. See, God cares about you and loves you. He offers you his grace, which means that he'll give you what you don't deserve. He offers you mercy, which means that he won't give you what you do deserve. I don't have all the answers for why things happen or why you might be going through some of the things that you're you're encountering, but I do know this. As Christ followers, we are called to give thanks in all circumstances. See, I wanna be the kind of person who looks for the good, the pure, and the positive in everything that happens in my life. If I believed that life was just a, a, well, a series of meaningless, random events that haphazardly happened to me, I think I would live in a constant state of depression. I truly believe that life has its way of teaching me what God wants me to know, and I believe that's true for you as well. If I will look for ways to have a grateful heart and be thankful, I will find them. Listen, let's be thankful. You got this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us, We thank you for saving us. And we thank you, Father, for the hope that we have of eternal life. We are so blessed. Father, I know that there will be people who are listening to this message who are in every imaginable circumstance, from wealth to poverty, from from health to sickness, from circumstances that are wonderful and great in the moment to circumstances that are simply unimaginable. Father, I pray that you will help us, each one, to give thanks in the midst of these circumstances because this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.